0: Welcome to the Conversations with Christians Engage podcast. Hosted by Bunny Pounds, this podcast is created as part of our ministry to awaken, motivate, educate, and empower believers in Jesus Christ to pray for our nation and elected officials regularly, to vote in every election to impact our culture, and to help us engage our hearts in some form of civic education and involvement for the well-being of our nation. Please share this podcast and our ministry, with your family and friends by asking them to take our pledge to pray vote and engage they can take the pledge on our website at christiansengaged.org we can all change america one heart at a time we are here to serve you and empower you to be a leader in your community Today Bunny will be discussing our book club selection for March, The Hiding Place by Corrie Ten Boom. The Hiding Place is the account of the Ten Boom family as they hid Jews in their home in Holland during World War II and their subsequent punishment in a concentration camp. It is a powerful story and example of courage, perseverance, and forgiveness. Bunny is joined today by Rick Peterson, a playwright who wrote an adaptation of the book for the stage. She is also joined by two cast members who have played Corey and Betsy in a play in their home state in Washington. You will be inspired to read this Christian classic again, or for the first time, as you listen to this conversation.
1: Hey, everybody, it's Bunny Pounds, president of Christians Engaged with another podcast. We call these Conversations with Christians Engaged because we're interacting with people with different belief systems, ministry leaders, elected officials, grassroots activists, um, really authors, anybody that we think can bring some significant value, uh, truth, wisdom to us in this moment. This is our Christians Engage Book Club episode. In the month of March, we're going to be studying a very important book. This is a classic. Um, it's Corey Ten Boom's The Hiding Place. For those of y'all watching us on video, you can see the 35th edition, 35th anniversary edition. This book, Cory Ten Boom, was written by um, Elizabeth and John Sherrill and Corey Ten Boom. Um, Elizabeth's now 90 years old. Uh, We hope to have a conversation with her at some point, but she wrote amazing biographies like this one. She also helped, uh, I think, Brother Andrew, and I think she helped also um, uh, Wilkerson, David Wilkerson, write The Cross and the Switchblade as well. But I wanted to bring on uh, someone I haven't talked to for like over 30 years. Back when I was (laughs) 16 years old, and he's already laughing, Rich Peterson wrote an adaptation of the hiding place that I was in. Now, I did not play Corey or Betsy, which we have two amazing actors, actresses on tonight that have played Corey and Betsy and have some significant revelation um, on their life from those experiences, but I was just a concentration camp girl. But being 16 and 17 and going through two runs of this play really impacted my heart and life. And this is one of those stories that has resonated with me for decades, right? And if you all have not read The Hiding Place, I really feel like now is the time to read The Hiding Place. It is an important story right now. The body of Christ is waking up and our goal with Christians Engage is to get everybody praying, voting, and engaging. But the mandate that the Lord gave me when I, we started this ministry back at the end of 2019 before COVID, we had no idea COVID was coming was now it is high time for us to wake out of sleep. Let me just say that again. Now it is high time for us to wake out of sleep. It's time for us to walk with God and to dive deep into what he's trying to say to us and get prepared for what might be coming. So with that, I want to, ask Rich Peterson. Rich is a playwright. He has taught school. He has written so many plays. He wrote actually three or four plays that I was in. The singer, um, I'm trying to think of all the plays, Bobby Socks. So many different plays that I was a part of when I was young. And Rich, it's a great honor to have you from um, Oregon tonight. How are you?
2: I'm good. I'm just very excited that for what you're doing. I believe in what you're doing hundred uh, percent. I took your pledge tonight and I, I love what you're doing. Great job.
1: That's awesome. Well, we've been a Texas based ministry, but we're going national. So, uh, we will help you as we go into that. We've also got, um, Kirsten, Kirsten Rockmore and Marie, uh, Marie Hunt, um, uh, Kirsten is from Tyler and then Marie is in Utah right now and we're honored to have them and we're going to start with Rich and then get to the girls about the significance of uh, this book, The Hiding Place. Rich, when you were writing a whole bunch of plays and you wrote a lot, uh, please tell everybody how many you wrote actually, but why did you decide to adapt this book into a play?
2: Well, I've always loved uh, World War II, and uh, I always, always loved the story that that Corey not only uh, hid uh, Jews from the Nazis in World War II, but Christians actually, uh, and as many or more as as Oscar Schindler in Schindler's List. She was uh, she put her faith out there on the line, and I I like putting my faith out there on the line too. I
1: was just rereading tonight, even on my way here, the part where she has all these Jewish people start showing up at their door, right? And she's got to go get ration cards and she's trying to figure out how to, how to do this. Um, You know, and, and Christians, we don't like to think about civil disobedience and disobeying the government, but they had to make a choice in that moment. What was God's law and what was his, what was the right thing to do and, you know, how does that touch your life, Rich?
2: Well, I think when just kind of uh, what Papa said, you know, if if you uh, what, as he was being taken to the prison by the Gestapo, they said, you can die in your bed, old man, if you just promise to not uh, house any more Jews or Christians that are against the Nazis. And he said, if I if I. Hear a knock on my door, I will open the door to anyone who knocks and asks for help. So that's he always said, and Corey said this too: that uh, my I have a higher law, which is God's word and God's God's presence in my life. That I will obey the the laws of the land unless I have to obey a higher law first, and that's of course that's why Christians get persecuted because that's how we feel, that's what we do.
1: Yeah, we're seeing some of the highest rates of Christian persecution around the planet right now. I was just reading a report today. It's mind-boggling what's happening in the world. Um, Kirsten uh, from Tyler, um, you played Corey Ten Boom back in the day uh, in Rich's play, and I would love to hear how that impacted and influenced your life playing Corey. What an amazing experience that must have been.
3: Well, thanks for having us on the show. It's great to be here. Um, I had actually read the hiding place before I ever auditioned, uh, and this was 20 years ago or so when I played Corey. So I'm actually more the age she was now at the time that all of this transpired with the concentration camp than I was 20 years ago. Um, so I have more, probably more sympathy now for how hard it was, (laughs) how much harder it was at this age than it would have been at a younger age. Um, But I would say out of everything I've done in my career acting, whether it's theater or film playing Corey was definitely the highlight of my acting career up to this point. Um, I, I just connected in such a powerful way to her and her whole principle of forgiveness, um, no matter the cost, that that she taught and then continued to teach for years after her experience with the Nazis, uh, really resonated with me. And there's a line from from the play and also from the book that. Uh, I always just was probably my favorite line. And and that, that line is that there is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. And that that line has stuck with me over the last 20 years through thick and thin and sorrow and loss and everything. Um, just that reminder. So
1: it's, it's a powerful thing. Um, Marie, you played Betsy in the play, and that must have been... Unbelievable to play the sister that actually died in the concentration camp. Um, how did that impact your life and what did you learn from Betsy's life?
4: Well, that was um incredibly impactful for me. Uh, I was very young, you know, in my old age makeup and powdered mm-hmm. hair and all that. Uh, so I was fresh out of high school playing this incredible. Woman, uh, who I had also read The Hiding Place previously as well, so I knew who she was, I knew the story, and it, it was uh, a huge honor. But, um, something that uh, the women in this book, but especially Betsy, really had was this just trust and faith in the Lord that it doesn't matter what's actually going on that we can touch and feel and see, she just had this absolute faith uh, that the Lord would, uh, hold them all through this and that they knew where they were going when they died. And, um, and Betsy was a comfort, I think to her sister as well through the whole process. And, um, yeah, so that was, uh, was really encouraging and happened during a very formative young time in my life. So, you know, being involved in that show with these two wonderful people here is, uh, was very impactful for me. That's that's powerful. And and let's just stay
1: with you girls. And then I'll go back to Rich. Um, you know, I was really struck by the the foreword that Elizabeth did and John did to the book where they talk about Corey later in her life. So she was 50 or so when this was happening in Holland, they end up going to the concentration camp and then she became a, a soul winner. She preached the gospel all over the world. She taught people about forgiveness, all of that. But she was constantly preaching these messages and bringing people to Jesus. Um, What do you think, Marie? Let me go back with you since you're here. What do you think people need to to know about her life and how that could impact their life today as Christians and believers in Jesus?
4: Well, I think just continuing what I was saying, um, just no matter what, the circumstances may be no matter how dark things seem to be is focusing on the light and focusing on the good you know whatever is good and uh keeping your faith as a central focus and perspective that you have as a christian rather than letting uh the earthly perspective of all that we see going on around us uh paint your reality and how you move forward through your life um that is really the biggest message that stuck with me and that inspired me uh, for that. Corey lived her life that way, uh, coming out of the concentration camps, that she was able to see so much good in arguably one of the worst possible uh, circumstances that a human being can go through.
1: Yes. Kirsten, have, how have you used this story to touch um, your family? I mean, have you brought this fa- story up to your family or told people in your life about playing Corey? Um, I- I'm just curious of how that's affected even the way you communicate to people, even in church or outside of church.
3: Um, well, my my son and my, I don't remember if Bethany was in it, but definitely one of my boys was actually in the play with me. He played an errand boy. So... Um, at that point, we have six children, and so um, all of them were kind of aware of what I was doing. If they weren't actually in the show, they were aware of it, um, and it, I wouldn't say that I, because I don't like to talk about my accomplishments necessarily, so I, I wouldn't say I bring it up often, but I will say that I think when Corey lived what she lived through in the concentration camp, even though it was actually pretty brief. She was actually only there for four months um, before she was miraculously released. And there were so many miracles. Anyone that just wants to have their faith inspired should read the book, just to hear the the miracles that God did the supernatural things. Um, But one of those things was the way she was released. Um, And I think when you come that close to experiencing certain death, I think it frees you in a way to live the rest of your life pretty fearlessly. And she did that for Jesus. Like she, she would be bold and, and it was all about the love of God and not about holding grudges or hate or anything. It was always about, you know, God can love you no matter where you're at and no matter what place you find yourself in. Um, and the whole principle scripturally of where Jesus talks about that he only does what he sees his father doing. I feel like she had a huge grasp on that about listening to her heavenly father and being obedient when he would lead her to speak to people or to minister to people and that is definitely something i try to live out myself is being every day aware of how short life is and we only get one go around and am i doing everything i can do to to touch people for for jesus that's so
1: powerful. And I think we do have these d- degrees of pain that people walk through, and it it kind of makes the other things not seem so bad, right? We, we have uh, first-world problems that you're like, guys, this is not a big deal. This is not real pain, right? But we, we all have our issues, and we have to walk through those. Rich, when you wrote the the adaption to the book for theater, what did you want people to walk away with what was like the lasting message you wanted them to grasp?
2: I just, I wanted them to see that God could be with you in in one of the worst situations. Uh, there's a line, I was just reviewing the movie uh, where, the, where they say, why would God send you to a concentration camp if he was a loving God? And, and Betsy says to obey him. Mm. And at the same time, conundrum. I mean, here he is serving God and God sends him to be a slave in Egypt and then to a prison. And I would say, uh, Bunny, to you and whoever's uh, watching and listening to this podcast, whatever situation you're in, God is with you. In fact, Corey shouts that in the movie as she as she's being released. She shouts it to the women standing in line in the concentration. She says, God is with you. And I guess I would have to say, uh, in your quest to see God bring revival to America, we have to realize God is with us, and He He wants revival in America. That's His heart too, just like yours. And and my heart is everything I write. I'm doing I'm doing movies now too, and and I want I want people to walk away thinking, man, I I need to know you more, Lord, and I need to there needs to be something in my life that needs to change and I need to surrender more to you. I need to get closer to you. And I love that your focus is on prayer. I, I am a man of prayer. I love prayer. I, I try to pray an hour a day, every day and just, and I do pray for all my political, all the politicals, you know, Joe Biden's on my prayer list every day. and Absolutely. And all of our yeah. And so I, I don't stop at five minutes. But I I really think as a Christian uh, playwright, my goal is for people to come away from seeing you, Bunny, in the play, saying, Lord, I need you more in my life today as a result of of what I've just seen in this production.
1: Well, it's always struck me on on all your plays, and I I we have a, I have an old recording of a show you created called Bobby Socks that I pull out every now and then, right? And just it's real simple. It's a fifties, you know, musical, and and you're like, how could this really touch your life? And and it's such a lasting message. And I think that's what the arts do, does, right? Is it breaks through um, our heads into our hearts. And um, and Rich, I just want to honor you for all your years of persevering in the arts because it really has made a huge difference in people's lives. Um, and and speak, can you speak to that for just a second? You know, why should people care about the mountain or, of influence in the arts and entertainment world? Uh, why should Christians even care?
2: Well, of course, uh, we always say we, we've been taught our morals in America by Hollywood uh and i've always felt like you can't out hollywood hollywood because they've got 23 i mean 235 million dollars to tell their story but i think if you can find a story that's gripping and uh in fact in my i have a i have a book that's a prayer book for prayer requests and then a kind of a prayer book where god speaks to me and i write down and one of the things i i wrote down was i felt like the lord told me tell my story rich Tell my story so I want to tell the story of the kingdom. that's what Jesus did. He told stories and parables. Uh, in fact, I wanted to encourage you bunny because in uh, the concentration camp, the Lord gave Betsy a vision that they would be telling the story of what happened to them all over the world uh, for forever you know that would be, and I just want you to know you're mm-hmm. part of that vision. I mean, you might have even been bid in the vision that Betsy had and, uh, that we're telling that story that the Lord told her she and Corey would be telling. So I think that's cool.
1: That's powerful. <laughs> well, I want to get back to the, to the girls, but you know, one of the things that always has struck me in this story is this willingness of Corey to forgive. Um, I tell the story a lot on the road, but you know, I had a million dollars spent against me running for Congress You know, I have no idea what the Coptic Christians in Egypt are undergoing. I have no understanding of really all the Christian persecution in the Muslim world or now India is like getting crazy over there, but I have a little better understanding as an American, what, you know, suffering looks like having that kind of money spent against my family on, you know, broadcast TV, that kind of thing. And, um, yeah, you know we have to forgive quickly, right? It's a command. It's not a feeling. And for me, it was a mm-hmm. process of walking through a time of praying over my opponent's Christmas card and asking God to change my life and changing my heart and to release that uh, that pain from my own life. And um, Marie, how how has you know Corey's life and Betsy's life made you a stronger woman? when you reflect on great heroines like them from from church history, from Christian history, from, you know, American history, how does that impact your life when you look at strong women that choose to follow God in those
4: kind of situations? Well, I think that um, single-mindedness and that vision that the Lord will give any of us of, you know, what path he has for us and uh, keeping focused on that, um, I think specifically you are asking, like, as women, we, I think have a tendency to want to nurture and for everyone to feel good and be happy (laughs) and just seeing these women who were able to push through to that vision that the Lord gave by whatever diversity, uh, adversity, excuse me, Mm -hmm. adversity that came against them, or, um, even just criticism. That's even, that's hard to deal with. And if you're in any place of leadership or authority, uh, you just have to be prepared to get to have criticism, no matter how well you do things. It doesn't matter as it uh, sounds like your story, like, you know how that goes. And um, that can be really difficult. And to keep that set before you, that task that the Lord has for you, uh, despite any of those things, um, that's uh, very encouraging to see the women that have gone before us that have done that.
1: Good. Kirsten, can you answer that question how How has this story or really any story impacted you as far as reading biographies or reading Corey and Betsy's story impacted your heart?
3: Yeah, so um, I would say that for me personally, there have been some things that I've walked through in the last few years where where I have been like falsely judged by people close to me and things assumed about me that had no basis in reality. And so even though it was nothing close to obviously what Corey had to work through, because we're talking about the death of her sister, but that same principle of these Nazi guards who had basically written them off as worthless and prejudged them as, um, you know, less than human and, and for her to, to be able to, at even with that kind of knife in her heart to offer forgiveness to them in spite of that, I've had a little taste of that in the last few years. It's been some of the hardest things I have, I have ever, ever experienced in my lifetime. But I feel like God, through that brokenness and working through that process, has made me a better person and has given me a little piece of what it must be like for God when we turn our back on him and when we judge him falsely or put words in his mouth. Um, So that would be... That would be my
1: answer. No, that's a great answer. And that brings it back to practical application because that's, I think, one of the reasons why this book has been such an amazing Christian classic because there's so many lessons that we can gain from it. Um, The last lesson I want to bring out is the anti-Semitism that we're seeing rising in the world right now. Um, and I hate to put y'all on the spot, but we're we're hosting here in Dallas the Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast coming up in March. So it kind of significantly I did not plan to do the hiding place the same month we're hosting the Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast, but it just worked out. Um, Rich, can you comment to that? You know, when we're when we're thinking about the anti-Semitism in the world and our response as Christians, I know you spend a lot of time at Christ for the Nations like I did in my young life. Um, And I learned a lot from the, the founder of Christ for the Nations on Frida Lindsay on loving Israel, praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Why was that important for Corey and her family to respond the way they did to the persecution of the Jews?
2: Well, I love what he said. You know, when you touch the Jews, you've touched the apple of God's eye. And it's like I just recently had my eye poked in a test uh, I dated a Jewish girl when I was in high school, and um, I got to got to lead her to the Lord, so it, to the Messiah, you know, and that was really exciting. and beautiful. I was around Jewish uh, you know, non-believers. and i was when I was in high school, and i i got I was blessed to be able to lead a lot of them to Christ. And um, I remember one of my friends, I challenged her to read the New Testament, and of course, her family was like, don't Read the New Testament; it's it's gonna mess you up, you know. And she came back; she started reading. She goes, "This is a Jewish book." I said, uh-huh, uh-huh. And, "Uh huh, uh huh." And we we called uh, Jewish Christians completed Jews because uh, we they, they they were just like everything clicked once they put Jesus into that empty spot for the Messiah. Once they c- connected, everything clicked. And uh, I've been reading a book called, um, you know, Searching for Allah, Finding Jesus, and it's uh, it's just about the reality of of God. He, he he can stand up to the questions that you have if you're not a believer and if you have a different uh, basis for your faith. He ask him ask him to show you uh, who he is. And my 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 saying about uh, anti-Semitism is, God made all all of us. God made every single person. We're all precious in His sight. And as a Christian, we have to be sort of colorblind. We have to be uh, we have to realize that every Muslim can come to know Christ. Every Buddhist can come to know Christ. Every every single race. The Bible says every race will be. Praising him, every tribe and every nation. So, uh, as a believer, we there is no room for prejudice or uh, or racism in in a believer's life because we're all going to be there. Every language, every tribe.
1: Amen. Amen. Yeah, we have uh, a responsibility to know what the Bible says. The Bible's full of religious liberty. The Bible's full of conscience, choice, right, and free will. We have uh, the responsibility to choose god to choose um the savior and so all of that I, our friends at first liberty say if we're not defending the uh, the right of everybody to believe whatever they want to believe then you know christians will never be protected so it's important for us as americans to stand up for relig- religious liberty for everybody so thank right. y'all so much for being with us so guys why is it important to read biographies and specifically ones that are geared towards spiritual people that have wisdom. Um, I know when I read a good biography, well, whether it's William Wilberforce, or you guys all know that my favorite author is Eric Metaxas, William Wilberforce, <laughs> Bonhoeffer, um, Corey Booms, The Hiding Place. Um, you know, there's so many great biographies. What we learn in those, those stories is we can see these heroes of the faith, and there's something in us that wants to fashion our life or go after God stronger than what we've done before. It pushes us to, to mm-hmm. walk with God greater and to, to be those people of faith. You know, Hebrews 11, you see the great people of faith, Right. They were sown in two. They were persecuted. They were stoned. They were doing all these things. But in Romans, when we get to Romans 12, the great cloud of witnesses that's cheering us on and saying, you can do it. Go for God. Um, Make something of your life. You know, let faith arise. Right, Rich? And so that's why reading biographies in these classic books are so important. And why I want to encourage you to read The Hiding Place in the month of March. Get it on Audible. Get it on however you want to consume it. And then hang out with us um, at the end of the month, which will be, we're going to have an open Zoom meeting. You can register for that on our website at the book club tab, Christiansengage.org backslash book club. It's March uh, March 31st at 5 p.m. And we'll be on there talking about the book. So, if you guys are cha- you know need to be challenged to read a book and stop binge watching Hulu or, or Netflix, do that with us every month <laughs> with our book club, right? Any closing thoughts, Rich? And thank you um, to Kirsten and to Marie for being with us. We so thankful for your you guys' insight into the hiding place.
2: I just, yeah, I have one closing thought, and this is not in the book, so this is a, a sort of a secret. When Corey was approached by one of the guards in the prison uh, and asked her for forgiveness, she couldn't even raise her hand to shake his hand. And God gave her these words, Jesus in me forgives you.
1: Wow. Wow. That's a perfect example of, you know, forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice. It's a command. And Jesus in us is greater than he that's in the world. We do not know how to navigate the days that are, are coming, guys. And I, we all feel fear. We all feel fear about what we've gone through the last few days and, and through few years and what we think might come. But greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Do not fear. The biggest command in the Bible over and over, ago, over again is fear not. Right. So anyway, connect Amen. with us. At our book club at Christiansengage.org backslash book club. And we'll see you guys next week for another edition of, Christ- of Christians Engage podcast Conversations with Christians Engage. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Conversations with Christians Engaged. Please subscribe to this podcast so you don't ever miss an episode. Also, please review it and share it with your friends. The easiest way to connect with us is to take the pledge on our website at christiansengaged.org. There you can sign up for our weekly prayer text, our bi-weekly emails, and our voting reminders. Christians Engaged is supported by individuals just like you. Would you consider helping us with a monthly donation or a one-time gift? You can do that quickly at christiansengaged.org. What does America need in this hour? America needs you. We are here to serve you and encourage you as you impact your communities. Let's be Christians engaged for the well-being of our nation.